Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. With German gourmet doner kebabs. Made with our signature sauces. Hello, happy Monday. I'm Jim Salverson and this is your first Football Social Daily of the week. Football may be down and out, but for the time being, at least this is your place to keep up to date with the very latest news from the top flight of English football. And that, of course, will include the latest on COVID-19 and how it is impacting the sport right now. This morning, I've got Nar McCorn in the studio. Hello. And I've got Steve McNaughton in the Good studio morning. as well. They're going to oversee proceedings and those proceedings will involve, well, the Italian FA, they're the first of the federations who have explicitly said they want Euro 2020 postponed. It's looking like a very likely option now, but is it the right option? There are also some signs that the Premier League could return a little bit sooner than expected. We'll look at the evidence there. We're going to do our usual Monday game of heroes and villains today as well. Which footballing figures from the weekend deserve a pat on the back and who deserves a kick up the arse? Plus... As the football has wound down, the transfer rumours have wound up. There's some really interesting stories in the back pages of the papers as the newspapers ponder where people are going to be going in the summer. Some interesting stuff from the last 24 hours that we'll discuss shortly. But let's start where we have to start, and it is with coronavirus and its impact on football right now. The Italian FA, they're the first federation in Europe to announce that they officially want to postpone Euro 2020. Now, this isn't down to public health concerns so much as a desire to finish Syria A. They think if the European Championships are put back, probably to 2021, they'll be able to finish the current football season over those summer months. We obviously don't know what's going to happen. They're going to be putting that proposal to UEFA in the meeting tomorrow where UEFA are gathering to decide what happens with the Euros and the Champions League and the Europa League and all that kind of stuff. There should be some kind of decision on what goes on there. Now, there's a myriad of scenarios as to what's going to get cancelled and what gets played and when it gets played. But it looks like the evidence is pointing more towards Euro 2020 being incredibly unlikely to happen at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the most common sense thing to do, really, under the current circumstances. I think we we need to finish our domestic, you know, seasons, and we need to 
certainly in my opinion finish the Champions League and Europa League as well uh, you know as, as soon as we can you know d- depending on the situation as it unfolds because one day you're hearing that you know it's coming back sooner the other day, you, people are saying they're going to start the Premier League again in July so it's we've just got all this noise going on at mm. the minute and we're not getting any definitive you know um, plans being put in place and I think that as a result of it you know we all kind of moan sometimes when England have a midweek international that's on ITV, mm. not because we've got to put with Clive Tilty, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, it was just like, oh, we can't be arsed with these international breaks when the season's up and running. There's a lot sure. of stuff going on in it. And I think that, you know, I think I said it on the podcast last week, actually, postponing Euro 2020 will not be the biggest issue in the world because it's spread over countries across Europe. The infrastructure exists for it anyway. There's no new stadiums being built for it. Um, so we, we could pick it up and put it somewhere I else. I mean, there will be an impact. There'll be a financial impact. There'll yeah. be businesses that are relying on increased trade from Euro 2020. Which will still be come, TV rights. Mm. Yeah, it'll just be delayed just 12 be delayed. months. And on the bigger scale of things, we're all going to have to suck it up to a certain extent mm. and take these hits. Yeah, I can live without him. Definitely. <laughs> and I think you've encapsulated it there nicely, Steve. For me, as much as I love seeing England do well, I am club over country. I would take Portsmouth being successful over England being successful. Me too. Luckily, mate. you don't have to choose either of those options. <laughs> well, listen, that's Portsmouth, the point. Portsmouth aren't doing bad this season. You know, no, there's a chance no, that no. you could come up this season. But yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I would uh, personally, if there was a Portsmouth game on or an England game on, I would watch the Portsmouth game a hundred times out of a hundred, without any exceptions. Mm. Even I think if most was, people even feel if, the same. Even if it was a World Cup, few people that take England exactly, over the club. which is something UEFA, as much as they might not like this are going to have to deal with the fact that no one really cares about international football, really, except those who are in it. And When the World Cup's on, it's on because there's no other league games being played. It's on because there's no other tournaments being played. It's the a re- month of football, isn't the, it? The reason that it's played in the summer months is because that's when there's no league football, because league football is what people care about, no, whereas that, the African Cup of Nations is different. I think on a global scale, people do care about the World Cup and the European Championships. I think on a... UK scale and certainly the other big European nations, so Spain and France, they're also in a similar situation sure. where they care more of a club than country. But on a global scale, the Euros and the World Cup are massive. But those big European nations, apart from Scotland, are where the Euro 2020 tournament is going to be played. And also, if we've got this issue with COVID-19, this is the first tournament of the Euros where it won't be housed in a single country or two countries. Mm. It will be housed across the whole of Europe. So, so there will be twelve cities, is it? Twelve Something different like cities, yeah. twelve or fourteen different cities. I can't quite remember exactly. But there'll be people and fans moving back and forth all around Europe, as we would have expected to have seen in the summer anyway. But at this moment in time, that is not possible, and we don't know how much we would have stemmed the spread of of COVID nineteen in June when mm. the tournament starts. Well, if so, feels... I think I think UEFA inevitably, when they meet the fifty five yeah. member states, meet on Tuesday, will have to postpone Euro twenty twenty, move it to Euro twenty twenty one. The only thing is, in 2021, there is uh, a women's tournament. And, of course, those two can't clash, the men's and women's tournament. I think, logistically, for UEFA, it'd be a nightmare. So they do have some thinking to do. They've given themselves four or five days. I think they announced on Thursday that they would be meeting on Tuesday. So they've given themselves enough time over the weekend to Mm. maybe come up with a few ideas about what they're going to do with this. I mean, it's another issue, but I don't see why the women's game and the men's game couldn't coincide. They're doing it with the Rugby League World Cup next season. Totally agree with you. They're doing women's football, men's football... And um, Paralympic, not Paralympic if it's rugby league, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They, they're doing murder yeah. ball or whatever it's called at mm-hmm. the same time. They're yeah. playing all three tournaments at exactly the same time, totally coinciding and turning it into one thing. Totally so that agree. is a potential to look at. I mean, 
it's massively optimistic from the Italian FA to go, we're going to be able to finish our season in the summer anyway, because there are different reports suggesting that the football season might not pick up till September time. But on the other mm. hand, Premier League clubs are returning to training next week, yeah. which suggests there is an appetite to get this back underway as soon as possible. Because, they don't, I mean, on one hand, you don't want your players to lose fitness because... It takes however many weeks they have off. It takes that many weeks to regain fitness. Find the rhythm. They they need to stay in. But if there is an option to play these games behind closed doors, obviously the Premier League are going to be looking at that option and they want their players to be as fit as possible when the football does resume. Mm. Serie A still have 12 games to go, so they'll they'll want to finish their, their season, of course. I think all leagues would want to finish their season. Definitely. I think, I think apart from Karen Brady at West Ham, for well, she's reasons, backtracked on now. I was going to give Jim a bit of stick, but she's backtracked on Twitter. Has she really? Yes. Well, obviously, if you haven't listened to the news or haven't heard the news, Karen Brady, one of the directors at West Ham, suggested that the season should be voided, basically, which means that West Ham would conveniently stay up in the Premier League this season. As well, stand. There, I think little, Jim's got a problem with that. <laughs> there's a little bit more behind that. The problems that West Ham face should the season be extended so, into the summer. If you're talking about financial issues, that's the problem for West Ham to deal oh, with. Oh, completely. And it's a problem for Karen Brady to deal with because she has made this bed and she has to lie in it. But because they don't own the football stadium and they pay £2.5 million a year to rent it, they are priority uh, leases, I think the term is, or something right. like that, which means they have priority during the season. Out of the season, they have no jurisdiction over the sure. stadium whatsoever. Of course, it gets used for concerts and stuff, Baseball, it? Yeah. concerts. Yeah, the Red Sox are playing games. Yeah, there, aren't yeah exactly. In, in it summer. takes two weeks to alter the stadium, to change it from football to something else. So there is no possible way they could arrange fixtures in the Olympic Stadium in the summer months without disrupting the other events that are going to be there. It's a mess, isn't well, it? Well, the thing is, they, they basically turf up the pitch so when the concert I've been to a concert a couple of times at the London Stadium what was it like? you know what it's not it wasn't too bad but as soon as I stepped foot in there it was the summer before West Ham first went there so what was it 2016 Yeah. as soon as I stepped foot in there I went West Ham fans are going to hate this mm. they're going to hate this it's a, it's a magnificent stadium Yeah. it's a great event stadium good links to it as well isn't it? yeah there is it was a nightmare getting out of the stadium right. when there was a you know 80,000 people you know that would be the capacity for a concert trying to leave the, the ground yeah. that was a nightmare but, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it as a, as a stadium. It doesn't have an identity just yet, and it had all the new West Ham livery on it, and I just thought West Ham fans are going to hate this. Um, but they the want to put is, extra seats in as well, don't they, to get rid of the running track? Yeah, that's Apparently it. That's, that's happening. Well, that's it. At, at the moment, they need to take seats out for concerts, but that, so, right. which is part of the two-week build but, when you've got concerts going in and out of there. So there are other problems. Yeah, it's talking a about, moving parts yeah, of West Ham. It's a small problem in the greater scheme of yeah, things. It's a small yeah, problem. But talking about the, the concerts, what they do is they lay plastic sheeting, not plastic sheeting, I can't like think. Clips Pla- together, plastic doesn't Plastic tiling it? that yeah. clips together that they lay over the pitch to protect the, the grass. So you've not got 20,000 people stood on the surface of the London Stadium damaging the pitch because yeah. if it rains all hell's going to break loose and that's going to cost West Ham a fortune. But that's not an easy thing to do. Take that up, put that down again, take that up, put that down again. So I think you may have a point there with West Ham. And I asked this on yesterday's podcast to Johnny Sharples, who was a guest, whether we're kind of stuck in this convention in our own heads that the season must run from the first week of August to the first week of May. Mm. It has to be in that 10-month time frame. Whereas you look at the League of Ireland, you look at the Women's Super League, they play their games over the summer months. And in Sweden and in Norway, to avoid games being snowed off and postponed due to bad weather, they play their games over the summer months. For some reason, we're all kind of bent on this idea of the season being played in a certain time frame, and it might be a a time to shake that up. Well, they've not got it right, have they? Because if you look at the farcical winter break we had in this country this year, 
this, you know, we've got to we've got to get that right. You know, we've got to maybe kind of alter the dates a little bit. And sometimes it feels like we're back really quickly. Certainly after an international tournament, and these lads, you know, pedal to the metal for ten months. You know, loads of traveling. Um, you know, if you're a seasoned international, like a lot of the players are from our teams. And um, I, I think there might be a discussion to be had about it going, you know, do we finish it in June? Well, we know FIFA and UEFA are happy to s- disrupt the football calendar if the right things are involved and those things are paper and have pictures of the Queen's head on it because we know what they're doing with the World Cup and they're moving the Qatar World Cup well, to they, December. They, they manage December. that easy so, enough. Exactly. If they can do that, they can do it. With their, so yeah. There's a lot of different scenarios as to what might happen and how this will be rearranged and when the season's going to pan out. And you, know, were on the podcast yesterday. You can listen back to yesterday's normally a review podcast. Obviously, there wasn't any <laughs> football to review yesterday. But one of the topics was obviously COVID-19 and basically the best way to conclude the season. And yourself and Pete Hall from Sky Sports came up with an interesting solution. Take a listen to this. Next season, do away with all cup competitions. So for the EFL, League One and League Two clubs, get rid of the leasing.com trophy, Mm -hmm. get rid of the League Cup and get rid of the FA Cup for one season. On the Tuesday nights for league teams in the EFL, when there would usually have been a cup game, you can play your remaining league games from the season that we're halfway through right now. We can play them then. On all the weekends where there would be FA Cup or League Cup, for example, in the midweek for the Premier League and Championship teams, you can fit league games in there. Mm-hmm. So we play the end of the season that we're in now for the first few months of the season. And then in the remaining game weeks, including those set aside for cup competitions like FA Cup, we can play Saturday, Tuesday or Sunday, Wednesday in those gaps. And that will take us up nicely till the end of the season at the start of May in 2021. It might upset a few people that will do away with the cups for a bit. I just think that maybe this is one of those things, a bit like, you know, players being out of contract on the 30th of June. It's just something, unfortunately, we're going to have to take on the chin. You're still probably only playing the same amount of games because the games you would have played in the cup, you're just Mm. playing league games instead. It might be more intense. It might be more difficult for squad rotation. But I think that's just something, like I say, you're going to have to take on the chin. I like the idea of the cups. These are extraordinary circumstances, so you have to do extraordinary things. Sure. And also, no Nations League. Over a season, you put, if you're doing the Nations League, you probably take about six weeks, seven weeks out. Mm. International breaks. International and stuff, breaks yeah, and stuff, yeah. yeah. Sure. In that six or seven weeks, that's, you can finish your season. Absolutely. I, I agree with you in the fact that it sounds like a lot of games, but if you take out internationals, you take out two cups, and no one winter break either. <laughs> wouldn't have time for that. No. So you could still finish the season around sort of late May. It is a very feasible thing. There are solutions to this problem in terms of fixture congestion. I mean, and if there's one positive thing to come out of the coronavirus, it would be getting rid of the Nations League as well. <laughs> <laughs> and in- international breaks, definitely. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Friendlies that mean something. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting solution and there wouldn't be too much objection to getting rid of the cup competitions, I think. There would be sponsorship implications, yeah, it would, obviously, it, but there aren't too many clubs that care that much about the League Cup and the FA Cup. Yeah, exactly. And it would just be for one season. Yeah. And obviously, we'd need to probably finish the FA Cup. The League Cup, thankfully, is already done. Mm. The Champions League, of course, uh, is still yet to be finished. So, But they've got some good ideas for that, though, haven't they? Well, yeah, I don't know too much about those ideas. I haven't really looked into I, it. But in terms of the league season, the Premier League season, <laughs> yeah, rock, paper, scissors, they were suggesting on Friday. I quite podcast. like that. I'll, I'll come to it in a minute. But I heard some of this today, not, not to disrupt you while you're talking, but I've got... I've, 
big fan of it actually for right, the Champions we'll, League. Okay. We'll pin that. that for a second. Okay, well, we'll put that on ice for a second. And uh, yeah, I just think that getting rid of the cups for a season might annoy a few people. Uh, someone got back to me on Twitter saying, what about the non-league clubs that rely mm. on cup runs for money? I was like, well, you don't budget for a season banking on getting to the first yeah, round absolutely. of the FA Cup, do you? Yeah. You don't budget for that because that would be ridiculous. It's a bonus. It's if a bonus well. if you get Shout there. On top. And, and I understand that people um, would be a bit annoyed. Someone else said, well, what if you play a team three times in a season? And mm. <laughs> Portsmouth have played Fleetwood three times this season, well, once it? in cup, twice in league. It would be a separate league, season, wouldn't it? It would be two. Not the same season. No, it would be technically, you'd finish the season maybe mid to end November and the start of December, you'd start a new one. Yeah. Now, the only thing I can think of, I was thinking about this last night, the only thing I can think of that might disrupt that is obviously promotion and relegation. So you might get relegated from, let's say, the championship in the last week of November and in the first week of December, you might start your new season in League One. So the EFL and the Premier League will have to be on the ball with fixtures mm-hmm. and they'll have to be absolutely hot, for want of a better expression. For the first time. For the first time <laughs> in their lives. To get things organised and properly sorted out. They'll say, oh, administratively, it's impossible. Uh, no, it's and, and logistically, it's impossible for us to pull our fingers out and do it in time because we are so slow in football to get I things mean, sorted. There is so an interesting slow. point there with players' contracts. And not just the case of players' contracts that come to an end yeah. at the end of the season and need to extend it because the Telegraph will announce today that there's going to be special dispensation where contracts yeah. can be extended for a fixed period of time rather yeah. than just kind of out. I mean, I assume it's up to Thankfully, a certain we'll keep Andy Lonergan. But, but when, when a team gets relegated, that automatically changes players' contracts I, where players take 50% reductions yeah. or whatever. Mm. So there is a slight issue there, but it doesn't feel insurmountable. No, I get this. And you can still make the negotiations while this season, is, while the, the back end of this season is going on. And you just say, right, we'll have a one-week grace period. Get yourself up to Newcastle if you're signing for them. Get yourself down to West Ham if you're signing for them. And unfortunately, you can't please everyone. We are in uncharted waters with Mm. this. This has never happened. This hasn't happened since the war, where Blackpool were at the top of the table in 1939. The the season got expunged. They never won the title. I I hope that doesn't happen to Liverpool because they deserve it. As much as it would have been fun to wind Steve up just there by saying that, that it would have been funny if it got cancelled. <laughs> but um, I don't think it should be because I don't nah, think it's fair. It's and although it's not wartime situation and it's not quite as extreme as that in my personal opinion, I do think we're getting close to those that Ooh. sort of territory. And uh, it, it's uncharted waters for the modern game. So I think people saying, oh, you know, what about players' contracts? That's the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. And people saying, oh, what about if you move the Euro 2020? We've spent £1,000 on tickets. I'm Ooh. really sorry. I do feel bad for you. I do feel bad for you, but that's the way it is. You can still go on your holiday if you want. I mean, I had, I'm supposed to be going on a stag do next week. It was meant to be in Slovakia. It's been moved to Bournemouth. Exciting. Oh. <laughs> Exciting. Okay? So that's that's the way it goes. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to take that one on the chin, and I think a lot of people will. Before we get on to your solution, Steve, that you've heard that you think might be a yeah, positive Yeah, it's not my idea. Board, no. <laughs> uh, we've had a suggestion from one of our listeners who's got in touch via our Twitter account, Ooh. at The Sports Social, uh, Paolo Erez, who says... Scrap the Premier League, take the last five games that each team has played, get an average points total from those five games, multiply it by the games left, and then the season's results are based on that. So essentially, you're finishing the season based on the team's current form. Wouldn't that put Liverpool in like 10th? Wouldn't Crystal, <laughs> Crystal Palace <laughs> no. would win the Premier League, would they not, in that situation? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. If you've just come off Never the back of an easy that. run or no, a tough yeah. run, you're basically just multiplying that. So West Ham, my team, for example, who've had a horrific run of 
teams yeah, recently doomed. with City and <laughs> Liverpool. I mean, that's it. You're never getting a point yeah. again. So I'm not entirely sure that would yeah. work. What was the... What, I, what I heard yesterday um, is, and, and it come through, um, I don't know where the source is for it, but I thought, well, that's quite interesting. And it, it's, um, even though I, I think that your idea is, is a great way of doing it, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, the season has to finish. I think that that's quite important whenever that is. But um, slightly different, He uh, what he's heard um, from a journalist um, is that, uh, so champions of Liverpool, obviously twenty-five point gap, in, 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 you know, in the table and stuff like that. So, but the down to seventh going to a playoff situation for Champions League places, you know, when they play games with each other, and then obviously the top three who mm. finish in that kind of mini league, if you like, go into the Champions League, and it's the same with relegation. Bottom six going to play a playoff kind of mini tournament mode, if you like. Um, but for the Champions League. Uh, the what what um, was mentioned was um, again sort of like a two week mini tournament, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals played in, within about twelve days in one city. Wow! Uh, so none of this two legged games, uh, you know. So we're like you've got to go to Leipzig or you know play them home and away and stuff like that. The teams will go to one city. Say if it was London, for example, because we have a couple of stadiums that we could do it in. Mm. Um, quarterfinals, semifinals are played on one day final is is the week after. It'd be an exciting way to do it. Exactly, and it'd get it done and it would ease the fixture congestion. And we talk about fixture congestion and, and kind of picking up on, on my point earlier, if we do scrap the Cups for a season, if anyone misses them, we'll, we'll soon quickly find out whether they'll bring them back again. Yeah. If the League Cup gets taken away for a season and everyone goes, actually, we quite enjoyed them. That's quite we'll nice. That. <laughs> yeah. We'll have a vote mm. and we'll see whether the League mm-hmm. Cup stays or goes. Yeah. That might be the solution. You might yeah. have to take it away and then have a vote to see if you bring it back again. Mm. That might be the only way to do it. So we might actually discover more about our fixture pileups uh, after this crisis is over than we would have done previously. We one, do have one, one trophy too many, and I've said it many times on the podcast before, I don't think the Champions League team should go into Carabao Cup. Mm. I just don't think that that, mm. that should mm. be the case. I think that you know suddenly if you're like, I don't know, not this season, because I think they will, they, they will get top four you know, when the season finishes eventually, um, but if you're like a Leicester or Wolves or if you're like a, an Everton or a Newcastle or a West Ham or something like that, you think, actually, got a bit of a chance of some silverware here, you sure. know, because yeah. all the, the big boys... Europa League's I'd take out as well. Exactly, they just don't yeah. need the extra cup competition. One comment on the idea of playoffs, I think for a European place, I think that, I mean, I, I quite like that. That's quite mm-hmm. an exciting prospect. For a relegation situation, I think it's a completely different kettle of fish. And yeah. there used to be a relegation playoff to see who came down from the top flight. Yes. Well, it is and, in Scotland, isn't it? In the, well, in the, yeah, the Premier is. Division and, yeah. and the Championship. Well, it, it was largely scrapped from English football because of the crowd violence that happened around it because it was such an important game. And only because, only so because Millwall and West Ham are always down the bottom, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy Archer was there waiting. <laughs> right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and we're going to do our normal heroes and villains from the weekend as well. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab, slow-cooked, succulent meats, toasted breads, fresh-cut salads and our signature sauces. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, picking over the latest news from England's top flight. We're going to do our heroes and villains now that we do on a Monday, picking heroes and villains from across the weekend, sporting or lack of sporting action, as the case may be. We're going to do heroes first, as we normally do. I'll start with this one, because my hero of the weekend is Manchester City's social media accounts, who played a blinder this weekend. So Southampton was supposed to be playing Norwich City, and the game was obviously off. So the Southampton admins tried to engage Norwich City in a friendly game of noughts and crosses 
to pass the time as well. And Norwich City just completely blanked them. They weren't <laughs> they were not up for this in any Which way. Which is poor, isn't it? Yeah, have a go, have a bit of a game. But then Manchester City stepped up to the plate. They joined Southampton in the game. It resulted in a draw. They played to the conclusion, which I think is a credible point for Norwich City. <laughs> Fair play to them. Bit of light-hearted fun, so also a potential way to finish the league off, I guess, if it all goes to in the end. So there we go. I'm going to give my hero of the week to Manchester City, who stepped up to the... Oh, shaking your head. Are you going to be a killjoy? Villain yeah. for me. Why is that a villain? How, how can you not beat Southampton? They are shocking. It's Norts and Crosses. <laughs> says, says Mr. Pompey. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't seen a game of Norts and Crosses finishing anything but a draw since I was about five. If you lose <laughs> a game of Norts and Crosses, you are poor. Yeah. That is as simple as that. It's not a game that can be lost. So that is my hero very quickly. Now, who's yours? The heroes for me this weekend are... Those clubs that had ordered in already, ready for the weekend's fixtures, hot food and yep. pies, oh, Villa. And, and Villa were one of those yeah, teams yeah. as well. Man City uh, food for the players, food for the uh, executives and um, the big wigs and stuff, the staff behind the scenes, the food that was due to be sold at the counters, who then donated that to respective care homes, homeless charities, and basically used them as care packages for those people who might be struggling during this COVID-19 outbreak. And also... I mean, if you take away the coronavirus, those people that are struggling, regardless of the fact that we have a pandemic on our hands. Mm. So for me, they're the true heroes of the weekend. I think it's a shame that we don't see things like that happen more often. For instance, I imagine at football grounds, you get a ton of leftover pies and pasties and food. uh, And I'm sure there's a lot of clubs that do, uh, you know, donate these things to charities and whatnot. But that was really heartwarming to see in what is a situation right now where the vulnerable are even more vulnerable than they were before. So they would be my heroes. Mm-hmm. Aston Villa, thanks for reminding me, Steve. I totally forgot. Uh, but I saw Stoke and I think a couple of other football league clubs as well donating to the local community uh, products that perhaps would have been wasted otherwise. So maybe that'll be maybe that'll be a positive legacy as well. Maybe once the connections between these community projects and the clubs have been established where they are taking up the spare food or whatever, mm-hmm. that could be something that lasts into the future, which would be a small positive we can take from the scenario. Mm. Steve, hero. Mm. (laughs) When you told us about this, I thought, what what we're going to do here. There's there's two for me. The first one um, uh, is is Nigel Pearson for saying what everyone is thinking all the time. I've I've, I've given Nigel a bit of credit on the podcast before Mm. because he is... He, I bet he's as hard as nails him, isn't he? You know what I mean? I he bet he's care, kind, he, he doesn't anything, care. No. He's walking around the house in just his undies with the curtains <laughs> open. He's not asked, <laughs> you know. But he basically his response to um, you know what was uh, an update from from you know the powers that be in this country, and he just says what everyone's thinking, and I quite you know I salute him for that. But my my um, hero, which won't surprise some of our listeners this week, is Jurgen Klopp for his response to the the coronavirus situation and he's almost delivering a dose of reality really you know when he's come out and and said that it's important that people you know look after each other stay safe Mm. football at this moment in time Mm. is is not important and Mm. we've got bigger fish to fry you know in the world and I think that he probably has given the update that a lot of the country would have been after from from you know our leaders and you know and he's he's took a lot of credit for it. I mean, you know, he's and I just think he's 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 a man of the people and I just think you know what, fair dues for that. I think I liked his comments. Was it last week when he was first asked about the coronavirus before any of the games were cancelled? And he basically went, "I wear a cap. I've got a bad shave." 
Why are you asking me? Exactly. What do I know? I'm a yeah, football absolutely. manager. I'm absolutely. not an expert, absolutely. which is a weird world we live in where yeah. suddenly footballers it's, are getting asked what we should do in a, a crisis. I know he's like, he, he can be really animated on the touchline and he can get stuck into it. I mean, he, he obviously come out straight away and said he regretted the celebration to the linesman last week in the Atletico game. But his, his mentality and the way that he speaks mm. is just incredible, mm. uh, I think. And I've said it before, you know, we're... You know, we're we're just trying to enjoy Jurgen while we've got him because he's not going to be at Liverpool for the rest of his career. You know, he's probably going to, you know, see out most of this contract that he's just signed recently. I would have thought, and then he'll probably go and do something else. But he seems to do seven years at every club he's been at. Apparently, his favourite number is seven as well. So he did yeah. he did seven years at Mainz, seven years at Dortmund, and seven years at Liverpool, and we could see the end of him. I don't know. That's Who just knows? Spe- that's just me his deal yeah. takes him to nine years at Liverpool, so th- there might be something in that. Certainly, if. You know, in a season's time or something like that, they're not at the very best and results start kind of slipping, which is what happened to Dortmund, isn't it? In his last season, they, you know, they, they had some real kind of fall from grace, didn't they? And they were in the relegation places and then they finished seventh or something like that. And um, he just said, yeah, it's me time to go, you know, if he, he thinks he's done it. So that there might be that. But I just think that he's a stoic guy and he just talks how in a way that reassures people that mm. listen to him, mm. I think. Mm. Fair play. Uh, we're going to go back around the opposite way with our villains. But before we do, I'm going to add another hero in because I think Paul Pogba deserves a mention Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Set up a special fundraising page to support UNICEF and children that have been affected by coronavirus. He's aiming to raise £27,000 via the page. And if he raises £27,000, he's promised to double that figure as well, which yeah. is a nice gesture Absolutely. from Paul Pogba. And also on the Pogba thing, he did a tweet last week saying, dab to stop coronavirus. Yeah, Obviously, that. to sneeze into your into your arm or into your elbow. And a lot of people giving him stick in the comments. Sensible saying that, saying that it's embarrassing and it's cringy. I tell you what, the only embarrassing and cringy people are you lot replying to him saying that it's embarrassing. Because if he's helping young children help protect themselves from the spread of a deadly virus or what we've seen could mm-hmm. be deadly then he's doing an unbelievable thing. And children look up to this man. Children yeah. look up to Pogba. Whether you like it or not, he's a role model for a lot of people. I mean, it probably does appear cringy if you're an adult, and but, but it's not for if adults. It, if, it, if it helps <laughs> It's not people, designed for you, mate. If it helps people, yeah, cringy or not, it's a good thing to do. So they're, they're, I they're, agree. Right. So Pogba is, yeah. Let's keep on up. that grumpy note from Niall and go for the villains. Steve, who's your villain this oh, week? God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> good. No. Uh, Should we come I, back to you? Yeah, come back to me. Niall. A small section of Liverpool fans would be my villains for the way they treated Adrian mm. um, after the mistake. Players make mistakes. Goalkeepers make mistakes. Goalkeepers' mistakes are magnified tenfold because of the position they play on the pitch. And uh, Steve very graciously came out and said that not all Liverpool fans are like this. Some of the abuse, the volleys of abuse that Adrian was getting was, was shocking. Mm. It happens at every club. doesn't just happen at Liverpool. We need to say that. But obviously with the issue with Carrius, who was pretty much forced out of the club because of the mistakes he made in the Champions League, they were high-profile mistakes. I do understand that. But, I mean, wishing death on a player and sending them death threats is, is quite frankly disgusting and needs to stop. It won't stop because social media is unregulated. Unfortunately, it's something that um, I don't want to say it comes with the territory because nobody should ever be treated like that. But it is a part of the game that is there and I don't think it's going <clears> to be stamped out anytime soon. But uh, Steve's right, it isn't all Liverpool fans, but those people who were sending nasty messages to players I mean saying that a player's crap is different to wishing them to die completely I, th- I think there's a mass, massive difference between those two things and, and you, you wouldn't know, blame if he, if he refused to play for the club again no, after getting that kind of absolutely, abuse absolutely not at all and then you know we've seen other people sort of comment on Adrian and I think that the whole situation regarding him has been so unprofessional and hypocritical to say the least he was excellent stepping in for Alisson earlier on in the season yeah Super okay, Cup final he's made a couple of mistakes mm. fine 
unfortunately, Liverpool are out of the Champions League, but that is football. It and is. unfortunately, he will be remembered for mistakes because that's the way it mm. goes. I mean, mm. think of the amount of great things that players have done and then they make one mistake and everyone remembers them for that. Maradona is only really ever remembered by people of my generation, seeing as he retired before I kind of started watching football, for the hand of God. Yeah, of I wasn't alive in 1986, but all I ever know is that Maradona is a cheat. He wasn't just a cheat. He was one of the best footballers ever to grace the planet. And Roberto, Roberto Baggio is um, remembered for... Being off his head and screaming into a camera. It's yeah. weird. You don't get removed for necessarily the positive yeah. no, things. Um, for instance, my mum, my uncle's a big Chelsea fan, my mum's brother, big, big Chelsea fan. And we watched the uh, the Champions League semi-final, I think it was, against Barcelona years and years ago, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, Ronaldinho? Didier Drogba. Uh, no, Iniesta scored late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iniesta scored late and whipped his shirt off <laughs> in the vest and the hairy chest and all the rest of it. Didier Drogba looked into the camera and was screaming. He was like, it's an effing disgrace. It's an effing... And my mum couldn't believe it she was stunned she was like what's he doing and she's not a Chelsea fan she's not a football fan mm. but she only ever remembers Drogba not from the great footballer that he was but <laughs> from the, the moment he, he made, screamed yeah. into the camera having a mouth and for instance Gareth Southgate she hated Gareth Southgate for missing a penalty in 96 she said oh, I'll never forgive that man for what he's done mm. but yet when he took us to Euro uh, to the World Cup semi-final she said yeah okay I can kind of forgive him a bit now but for that whole period of time Southgate was kind of defined in my mum's brain as being the man who missed the penalty yeah. I don't think players can always be defined by the mistakes they made but unfortunately in this country that's the way it goes Although Southgate very much Southgate very much played on that and made a lot of money out of Pizza Hut adverts so maybe he's got himself to blame for that I did see some comments floating around from Virgil van Dijk criticising Adrian for his performance and kind of pointing the finger but it turns out I think those were made up quotes. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were genuine. So, can I give you? Don't a... trust what you see on Twitter. Essentially, can I give wow. you a villain then? If you're yeah. struggling for a villain, what do you think of that journalist in inverted commas who was at the Red Bull Leipzig Tottenham press conference asking Jose Mourinho, saying, "Don't worry, Jose, everything's going to be okay with his phone out and his camera, trying to get a soundbite out of Jose." Did you see this? Yeah, I yeah. did. What do you make of that? He was trying to wind him up. And there's one thing that annoys me in life as much as football is when you're looking a bit grumpy. Someone goes, cheer up, mate, might never happen. It's one of the most petty and annoying things I can think of. So I think he deserved to get a slap from Jose. <laughs> but he, no, he, he didn't get it in any way. And Jose was actually, for Mourinho, very measured and very calm in his approach. He just sort of said, what? Just, yeah, what? And then just almost dismissed like he couldn't it. believe it. So I he just played think, it well. We just in these, I mean, even, you know, without the, the COVID-19 situation, you know, that's going on, we just... We're in a we're in a time where people think they can they can push the boundaries in, in extra ways. Mm-hmm. You know whether you like Jose Mourinho or not, this guy is a serial winner who has done it at the vast majority of clubs he's been at. I mean, even at Man United, you know, with the Europa League and, and, and finishing second one season. You know, the guy deserves a bit of respect from journalists mm-hmm. and you know who, who are coming up to him with a phone in his face, going, "Cheer up, Jose." The season's going to be all right. Well, you know, you're just taking taking the piss out of yeah. of this guy, mm. and it. Quite frankly, you're you're in the, the hallowed sanctuary of being in that that Tottenham uh, press conference because yeah, not you're, anyone you're could just walk position in. You are in a place. privileged position because if I just said, by the way, oh, you know, uh, I work on a podcast uh, a couple of times a week, and I, you know, any chance I can come see Jose's press conference, they're going to tell me to f off. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, and yeah, say that my yeah. credentials aren't there. Yeah. So this guy's got his way in, and I just think that. You know, we. I just, I was actually got quite annoyed about it when yeah. I seen it. It embarrassed me as a, as a journalist and a broadcaster to see that. And a, apparently, a lot of the journo's in the room, the reputed journo's that kind of follow the Champions League home and away and follow Tottenham, said that they didn't recognise who this chap was. So actually, he might have been there on false pretences anyway. But the fact that he was even doing that, and and, and you know, he clearly had his camera out saying, "Oh, cheer up, Jose," trying to get a soundbite mm. out of someone who'd just been knocked out of the Champions League. 
it's like poking the bear, isn't it? That's what it is. It's a professional scenario. You need to act in a professional way. Uh, my villain, let's wrap up on this one, and there can be no arguments about my villain today because it's the BBC. Not, oh. not only did they take away match of the day, I mean, they couldn't screen match of the day, but it's what they replaced it with that is the real crime. Instead of the match of the day, they've played Mrs. Brown's Boys. As if the coronavirus wasn't bad enough as it is, now we've got extra Mrs. Brown's Boys on the TV. It was a terrible decision. No one needs to see it. And there's so many better things they could have put on instead of a crappy They could have put a final on, like a classic yeah, final yeah, or something. a classic final West Ham Liverpool, documentary, 2006. Like a World Cup review show from yeah. a previous tournament anything like that England so, versus Holland from Euro 96 oh, the 4-1 victory I would have loved to watch that so again so would I I'd have recorded it you know because um, I'd, I'd have got up the morning after to crack a dawn with me kids like I do and I'd have put that on you know what I mean yeah. and I just thought you know great but Mrs Brown's boys it's about as funny as hemorrhoids it's on there with Miranda <laughs> I mean, for me some people love it and I get that but I don't know the crossover between Mrs Brown's boys and a football well there isn't any gym is particular yeah. I don't know did they show Mrs Brown's boys Again in the morning, as like the early morning replay. Oh, yeah, when they but show it at seven well, o'clock. I think yeah. it might be a bit what uh, post watershed, might well, they, they could have stuck a little bit about Mrs. Brown's boys, how it helps the community, this couldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I made a decision though. I said, the time I would have spent watching Match of the Day, I'm going to watch Sunderland Till I Die, which I've not seen yet. I'm going to watch All of no- All or Nothing, which I've not seen yet. The Maradona documentary about his time at Napoli. That's on Channel 4 next weekend. Is it? So there oh, are, there's, be worth there's plenty of footballing things to watch the, while yeah. there is no football the going on. The new Sunderland one's out soon as well, which documents their uh, their day out at Wembley uh, last year. And who won, who won <laughs> that game, I Niall? Think, I don't know, some team in blue. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, to, to be fair, I think what would be good would be a classic watch-along with the players that were involved in the game. Like a director's commentary kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. I yeah. mean, imagine... Yeah, watching, I don't know, let's say, yeah, like the 2005 Champions League final and you've got Steven Gerrard sat there along with Jamie Carragher and then you've got, I don't know... Maybe Paolo uh, Maldini and, Maldi- and, and yeah. Shevchenko. Two I mean, from each team and they sat there and they're talking saying, oh, remember this, yeah. stuff like that. I thought yeah. that, would be, that would be a brilliant idea. There's better options than Mrs. Brown's, Mrs. Boys, Brown's Boys anyway. Boys, we can yeah. guarantee that. Right, let's finish on a couple of transfer rumours that are in the back pages of the paper. There will be loads of these over the next few weeks whilst there's no well, football. they've got to fill the papers. Exactly, <laughs> they've got to fill the pages somehow. Now, I'm hoping you can help me out with this one, Niall, because... There's more rumours surrounding Jude Bellingham, mm. who's Birmingham City's 16-year-old wonder kid. Yes. Uh, Manchester United are interested. Chelsea are interested. Bayern Munich are interested. Borussia Dortmund are interested. Apparently, it's between United and Chelsea. That's the player's preference. 30 million quid. This is a player I knew nothing about till about six months ago, maybe, when he started being linked with transfers. Is he the real deal? Um, I've seen him play twice. Uh, I actually saw him play in just the second game of the season. Uh, Birmingham City played Portsmouth in a, in a League Cup game, in a Carabao Cup game. Um, they ended up losing the game 3-0 to us, which is surprising considering they're a championship side. But they did play a lot of young players. And one of them was Jude Bellingham. And even then, the second week of the season, people mm. were saying this kid has got a lot of potential. The thing is, he's so versatile. He's down as a midfielder in most people's minds, but he can play up front. He can play out wide. He can sometimes. I mean, I think he's even been played at fullback at one point this season mm. or wing back. He's so versatile. The thing is, he is 16, and I think that's easy to forget. He's so young. So if he does get a move to a big club, for instance, like Ethan Ampadu did from Exeter City to Chelsea, you know, they kind of nurtured him, put him in the under 23s and gave him a couple of games, and then he's been sent out on loan. Ironically, now he's at RB Leipzig, who are doing better than Chelsea mm. at this moment in time, domestic, side, domestically and in the Champions League. So 
Bellingham is is a talent. Um, you know, he's still playing for England under 17s. Whether they bump him up to the under 18s or under 21s to give him a bit more experience, I don't know. His parents apparently were spotted leaving the Manchester United training ground at Carrington last week. Mm. I don't know whether there's anything to be read into that. Chelsea now might be a more attractive prospect for someone of that age than it would have been a season or two ago because if you look at the emergence of the players that Frank Lampard is using, then maybe there might be an opportunity there for him. Look at Billy Gilmore, the latest one, just 18 years of age to come through the Chelsea Academy. There's a lot of risk in signing a 16-year-old, isn't there? There's so much to come in terms of the development of that player. 30 million quid, 16 years old, it feels like a weighty sum. But even someone who is showing huge potential. That's the money you've got to pay nowadays, Jim, unfortunately. If you look at the Neymar transfer, I yeah. think that that's kind of uh, bumped up the market so much. It's kind of uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, because no transfer now is ever going to eclipse out, I don't think, 220 million euros, mm-hmm. which means that everyone else's value, the stock, rises massively. Um, and they've kind of priced themselves out, or Neymar's kind of, unfortunately for him, been priced out of a move elsewhere. Because PSG are just going to go where well, you want him. Well, we pay 220 for him, so you can pay 200 for him. Mm. And who's going to stump up 200 million quid for a mm. player? The money is getting too much, which is why I think, on a side note, that in the next five years, we will see a UEFA European Super League. I think it's inevitable. Yeah. And I think more clubs will go bust. And I think people will really start to wake up. Um, football and money, obviously, are in a, in a downward spiral, in my personal opinion. Bellingham is an exciting talent. Um, I don't know too much about him in terms of, of what he actually brings to the game. Uh, but from what I saw from him uh, against Portsmouth, he was confident on the ball um, and that probably will only grow. Um, he's confident in his ability, but you've got nothing to lose at that age, mm-hmm. have you? At the age of 16, yeah. playing first team football. So where he moves, if he does move, is an interesting one because will he get game time? You think at the age of 16, Michael Owen was playing at 17, wasn't he? For Liverpool, uh, yeah. And he was saying, you know, I think I was ran into the ground too young and that's why I broke down. My body broke down when I was a bit later into my career. So hopefully they nurture him if they do sign him. One more, we'll do the future of Harry Kane. It's being discussed again, this time by Tutto Sport in Italia. Uh, Manchester United or Manchester City are the two options, apparently, that Harry Kane is looking at. He's ruled out a move to Juventus. I kind of think that Harry Kane, if he is going to leave Tottenham, and I think that is looking increasingly likely, particularly if Jose Mourinho stays at the club, because I think the success will continue to hide for Tottenham if Jose does stay there. But I think he will move out of England. I can't see him moving to another Premier League club, but they're claiming that United and City are the two frontrunners. If he moved to City, he'd score 30 goals a season. Easy. Which has got to be tempting for a person in his position. And if he moved to City, he'd be more likely to win trophies. Than but if Tottenham. he loves Tottenham so much and he doesn't want to leave the club necessarily, it's going to be a wrench. You'd kind of think maybe he'd go to Real Madrid or... What's he on? 26 now, Jim, something 26. like that. Would you go to Real Madrid if you saw the way Gareth Bale's been treated there? Would you go there? Yeah, you know, yeah. Hazard as well. Because the, the reason they hate Gareth Bale, and I've said this numerous times on this podcast, is because as good as he is, he doesn't play a full season. He's always injured for a good 30% of the season. Mm. And Real Madrid fans get frustrated because when he comes back from injury, he expects to get straight back in the squad and then throws a bit of a paddy when he's not. And Zidane goes, well, hang on a sec. You've just been laid off for six weeks with an ankle injury. I'm not going to play your way I'm back not in. I'm throw you straight back into the mm. team. Um, I think Kane's the same. I think he's injured too much and I think the patience of Real Madrid fans would run desperately thin with him. You look at a player like Raul, who they used to have, 
uh, Raul Gonzalez, who was one of their top scorers, and he might even still be the Real Madrid top ever scorer. Mm. He, he, you know, he was barely ever injured, if I remember rightly. Mm. Van Nistelrooy um, as well. He went there for a bit, played a couple of seasons. Benzema, um, it gets injured a little bit, but he's coming to an end. I think Benzema's getting a bit old, so there is room for a striker to come into Real Madrid, whether it's Kane or not, I don't know. I Do you don't... think he'll leave Tottenham? Do you think he'll go to another Premier League club, Steve? Yes. I can actually see Both those things. Yeah, I, I can actually see... I agree with what you're saying. I think at Man City, he's, you know, he feels like there'd be a good Aguero replacement there, wouldn't you? You know, when when Sergio calls it a day, but I can actually see United going big for him. I think you know it's the type of play where United go. Actually, we will spend 130, 140 million on him. It's a big statement of and intent. A big statement of intent. England captain, which they've got a, a history of going for that type of player anyway. And I just think that they will probably look at someone like Harry as as, as a person that can spearhead them next season or. And, and try and propel them into that, that, that top three, you know, in the country. And I think that, you know, United will have money to spend and, and you know, they are playing catch-up at the minute. They're in a good moment, Man United, as, as we've talked about. You know, mm, things mm. seem to be starting to come together a little bit. And I just think that, that there's an opportunity for, for him to go in there and, and, and really become a legend because it'd be a good time to go into Manchester United because they've not been successful since 2013, really, uh, by the you know, re- ex- you know, extremely mm-hmm. extraordinarily high standards, and I think he could go in there and, and and make history there, and I think he could win stuff there. I I see what you're saying, but I just think he'll be chased out of United, Steve. Do you? Yeah, I think the way that they treated Lukaku and the way that they treated Pogba is that not the manager, though, mate? I don't think so. I think they come with big expectations. I don't think Bruno Fernandes has come with a massive expectation and therefore and that's why he's, he's kind of flourished. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, when when maybe. you sign Pogba, who's just won the World Cup and been exceptional for Juventus I think and Harry used Kane to play is, for the club. I think Harry Kane is used to that pressure. I and think I he's think used to the also, pressure. I think he'd also be able to deliver Lukaku, well. Lukaku, in my opinion, delivered for Manchester United. His stats are, are great. Got a goal in one every two games. Mm. That's, that's good stats for a striker in the Premier League as well. Lukaku's a goal machine. But he wasn't good enough for Manchester United but it was, and it's their kind of like, I mean, it's And the same some people say it's the right decision for him to leave. It's kind of the same reason Kane, that Berbatov wasn't really accepted at Manchester United. It's the off-the-ball they work. They love Berbatov at United. And they love him now. Thing. At the time, he was massively criticised for his lack of work rate. Against us. <laughs> yeah. I think Harry Kane will get a similar treatment to Lukaku did. I personally do. Hmm. And, 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 he's got to leave Tottenham, no, Niall. He's got to leave Tottenham. You know, yeah. I think... Uh, I think out of the European clubs, I think Juventus will probably be a better fit if if Dybala or I mean Iguain is of a certain age, isn't he? Where they will need someone to come in, and um, I think Juventus, you know, possibly. But I think he's got to look at how it's panned out for Aaron Ramsey. Mm. Really, though, Aaron Ramsey's not getting a lot of game time. He's not getting on the pitch a lot, which is weird because he's actually scored a couple of goals recently for him as well. And I just think that I just think I can see him in United together at some point. I think he's the type of signing that United would go for, and I think. You know, when they're trying to put that spine down that team, you know, if you had kind of like Kane, Fernandez, Maguire, De Gea, I mean, that's a pretty decent spine of a team, that. And I think that, you know, not to write your transfer strategy for you, Ollie, but, <laughs> you know, I think that I can see United going, you know, let, let's make a real statement of intent because other clubs have done it. It's a deal uh, that does know, make sense. And, and, um, a club that could afford him as well. You know, and he'll be 27 in the summer as well. Exactly. So if you look at what... Peak what, of his powers. If you look at, like, what my team did, you know, they went out and signed Allison for 65 million. They went and signed Van Dijk out for 75 million. Real eye-watering deals for people in those positions and then you know what was it was 18 months on you're like well small change you know mm. what he did and I think that Harry it depends how his ankles are because you know his ankles are made of pita bread and um, it depends whether he gets through you know medicals because he's obviously 
had three major surgeries mm. on his ankles that have ruled him out for a long time. So the rigours of, of mounting a Man United challenge is a question that, that would need to be answered, I think. Right, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much, Niall. Cheers, guys. That is it for Football Social Daily. Make sure you click subscribe to this podcast. Maybe your usual podcast is off duty at the moment and you're looking for a new one. Click subscribe because we will be here right the way through the Premier League season and through what would appear to be some of not the Premier League season as well. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Cooked to order and freshly prepared every time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.